0: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: This episode of the Analyst Inside Cricket is brought to you by IG, official partners of England cricket, and the place to go if you want to get on the front foot and manage your own investments. IG's platform allows you to invest in thousands of international shares and exchange-traded funds, as well as a number of fully managed, ready-made portfolios, if you'd rather leave it to the experts. To find out more, go to ig.com slash investing, remembering that the value of your investments may fall as well as rise, and you may get back less than you deposit. Well, I thought I'd start today's podcast with one of the first renditions of God Save the King in this country. It, of course, preceded the start of play here at the Oval on this third day of this final test match. Of course, we've lost the first two days, one to the weather and the second one to all the ramifications of Her Majesty's death on Thursday night. So this was the third day and it was actually a very moving experience listening to this rendition. Of God Save the King at what I suppose you could say is almost his home ground. Prince Charles, uh, of course, uh, this is his part of his estate here at the Oval. Uh, it's now been handed to his son, Prince William, and uh, it was a, a fine occasion. Listening to everybody singing their hearts out, uh, you know, in re- respect of the new king and I say it was a moving day it was also a moving day on the field too a fast moving day because we had 272 runs scored in the day's pay, but 17 wickets fell in only 69 overs and South Africa were bowled out for 118 England in reply took a 36 run lead but they lost seven wickets in the process so it was really cricket on speed now Simon Mann is away this week so replacing him I'm in the very capable hands of Simon Wilde, cricket correspondent of the Sunday Times and also a renowned author who's produced a book uh, over the last couple of years about England's test career, England in test cricket since the 1870s and also now a, a, a sequel, The Tour, which is England away from home in all that time as well and Simon's here now, you've just filed your report for the Sunday Times, what was the thrust of it?
0: Well, I mean, th- this was, as, as you've just been alluding to, this has been a day like no other really in, in England Test Cricket, I don't think we've experienced anything like it, although we've probably watched hundreds of Test matches between us um, involving England, but the occasion before play with the the, the, um, the anthem was extremely moving, as you've said, and then we had a day of high drama on the pitch, so the sort of challenge of any piece I suppose today you were writing about was to, to, to bring these two themes together, and um, it, was, it was an extraordinary day. Um, very exciting on the pitch. I think the players delivered the entertainment that the spectators would have wanted to, to see. Ben Stokes has always talked about his team being a, 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 a group of entertainers, and that's exactly what they delivered. And England are on top, not by much, but they are on top. Um, so I think everyone who's come today, twenty-eight thousand, will have gone home very happy. You can hear actually the the people still
1: discussing the day's play there's still a, a few people lingering here at the Oval the TV's uh, recording the highlights links and so on so that's the background noise actually I spent a bit of time up in that stand uh, up at the far side there the MAR Galdari stand he was a, a benefactor of Surrey for those who worry, wonder why it's uh, named after it's the new stand to the left of the pavilion and it's a nice atmosphere there actually with bars at the back and restaurants and, and obviously a lot of people underneath it as well uh, getting stuck into the
0: beers uh, it, it wasn't it was almost like a beer match in a way I mean there were so many shots played it was it was crazy and I thought um, England did really well to bowl South Africa out for 118 and we know how England play they're very attacking but you, you did think at times could they not just sit back a little bit and just they, they got an advantage just grind out a, a 100 run lead and you've sort of got the game but they couldn't do it and Ben Stokes had a you know, he played a couple of extraordinary shots and, and got out driving, caught a slip. And then Ollie Pope was out shortly afterwards. And that was the point when you the game sort of swung back into the balance a little bit. But Folks and Broad added a few runs at the end. So England are ahead. But yeah, there were some rash shots. But England don't play any other way at the moment. They just go for it, hell for leather.
1: Which I suppose is, is entertaining and it almost guarantees a result. Uh, they obviously won a good toss although actually the toss was two days ago wasn't it? Before uh, plays started on the first day which were then abandoned for the day and we saw uh, actually for the second time in a row Ollie Robinson given the new ball ahead of Stuart Broad that happened at Old Trafford as well uh, my piece uh, in the Times tomorrow, the Sunday Times tomorrow is, is also about uh, Rob Robinson and I actually thought he bowled superbly today, I thought that first eight-over spell Stokes kept him going into the second hour of play. I think he stopped at about 12.30, actually, and people talked a little bit about his uh, stamina being a bit suspect, but I thought he sustained his, his pace pretty well. He certainly sustained his accuracy superbly. I only counted one half volley in eight overs that was drilled for four by Marco Jansen. but apart from that, I mean, he just asked a question every ball and took those three or mm. well, four of early wickets, four of the, the six that, that fell. But despite his excellence, one has to say South African batting was pretty ropey.
0: Would you agree? Yes. I mean, they've been struggling for quite a long time now, a couple of years since. They had a great generation of batsmen, didn't they? Going back, Graham Smith, Hashim Amla, people like this, A.B. de Villiers. They're long gone, and they've never quite found a middle order to replace it. People have have come and gone a little bit, and someone like Aidan Markham looked quite good for a while. He's now been dropped, lack of form. Um, they're, they're unfortunate that Rasty van der Dusen is injured, um, but they just can't produce the big scores. I mean, they were blown away at Old Trafford twice. Ollie Robinson bowled well there, um, and it was the same again today. Really, L- losing Dean Elgar in, in you know in the first couple of overs was a big blow. He's the, the sort of rock of their inning of their batting lineup. So yeah, it was they would have been very disappointed. And this is why, if England get any sort of lead, they have got a lead. Um, you'd fancy England to win because you could just you don't know where the South African runs are going to come from.
1: Yes, I looked at their uh, experience or lack of and the top 7, only one player, Elgar, who you mentioned, has played more than 10 tests. So clearly there is a lack of experience there. Were you surprised about Robinson getting the new ball
0: ahead of Broad? Well, he, he did it at Old Trafford. Uh, and well, were you surprised there? Yes, well, I, yes, I, I thought it was striking and it was, it's to Robinson's great credit, I mean we've all, you know, Robinson's had a short England career so far and there's been a lot of talk about his fitness but actually when he plays, no one can argue with his quality because he is so good, he's so accurate, uh, you know, keeps asking the right questions um, and he, alright, Broad's played, you know, 100, 150 test matches but... He's had to give way to a guy who who frankly can bowl as well as Broad and Broad broad bowled well today he got four wickets Um, but Ollie Robinson deserves to take the new ball and I think also he's he is good against the left-handers and South Africa have now in the the way they've uh, reconfigured their batting for this game they've got three left-handers in the top four or five so it was the right thing and and it works. It's interesting actually I looked at the top career test
1: averages of bowlers throughout history today and Robinson's in the top 15 and the only modern player above him in the averages but uh, bowling averages that has played actually in the last 60 years since Frank Tyson who's in that list is uh, Kyle Jameson of New Zealand and there's a there's a common denominator there very tall very high actions and getting that bit of extra bounce but no good if you bowl too short and both those bowlers i mean jameson was outstanding in that world test championship final against india last year has slightly gone off the ball and got injured didn't he in the series here this year but both of them i think keep an admirably full length which some short bowlers i'm thinking someone like for instance morning morkel tended to err on the slightly short side and got excited by the ball sailing through the keeper head high but it doesn't necessarily take wickets whereas Robinson it seems to me is really learning very fast about the right place to bowl.
0: Yeah, yeah. He's a very intelligent bowler. I think. I mean, I think James Kirtley's worked with him at Sussex, and he said, you know, he's he's got a sort of encyclopedic knowledge of batsmen and how to to work them out. It's a sort of thing about, you know, Glenn McGrath, people like that. They they just the are they're, they're great students, I suppose, of their art. And I think Ollie Robinson, although he's he's relatively new to Test cricket, just comes into the international arena with that sort of brain really, mm-hmm. and I think it suits him well, and he's. He, I, I'm struggling I'm to think of a game where he's bowled bowled badly, really. I mean, he's had the games where he's got injured, but actually bowling badly when he's fit to bowl, can't think of one, really.
1: What, what, what do you make of, um, as we hear an aeroplane go over, so sorry about the interruption there, but um, what do you make of the story about Chris Martin giving him the book about breathing?
0: Well, it, uh, it's, it's very flattering to Ollie Robinson that Chris Martin uh, knows who he is and has... You know, but obviously thinks enough of him that he he could pass on a book. But it's it's a nice little story and suggests that he's he's noticed that maybe Robinson's problems in uh, test cricket, which we we sort of uh, sort of clumsily refer to as fitness, might actually be something a bit more like not quite stage fright. But you know, you've got to learn to breathe. Sachin Tendulkar used to talk about I, I, I need to control my breathing when I get to the crease and get in control. And maybe there's an answer to that with Robinson that the big stage is a place where he's just got to calm himself and 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 just get into a sort of nice feel for the game and perhaps that is something that he's had to do and maybe the breathing exercises might be a route into that so south africa were 32 for six
1: after robinson's first eight over spell he'd taken four of those wickets i suppose in a way they did quite well to get 118 then
0: they did do well yeah and uh jansen and uh, zondo you know, has stuck at it, had a little, a little partnership of, well, they doubled the score, I think, didn't they? And then um, uh, Maharaj had a swing as well. Um, so, yeah, they showed a bit of uh, fight in the lower order. Um, I think England put down a couple of ch- half chances. Um, yeah, folks missed one. Folks it, missed one, and I think. Yeah, it sort of swerved on him, and then Pope in a, a sort of four slip gully region also put one down to his left, I think. But,. Um, yeah, South Africa showed a bit of fight there, and you know, good luck to them. But you know, 118 is not the sort of score that normally wins you a Test match. I think I looked something up today, and it was the lowest first innings uh, score by a team at the, in an Oval Test since 1948. Um, you know, this is normally a good place for batting. So bad start. They've they've kept themselves just about in the game, but they are behind at the moment. And as we say, they're going to have to find some runs from somewhere.
1: When you look at you know, you've watched a lot of test cricket, you've obviously written books about it as well. When you look at batting techniques and uh, you look at pitches like today, 32 for six, what, what, what do you think? Do you think, wow, the bowling's incredible? Do you think the batting's terrible? Do you think the pitch is awful? What's your assessment?
0: Well, I think um, you, you'd know better than me, but I think the conditions were good for bowling. There was the a movement today. Um, but it
1: wasn't 32 for six, was it?
0: No, maybe not. But it, this this may be where we go back to South Africa's lack of confidence in, in the runs, uh, and like I say, out, losing. And out. lack
1: of playing as well, I suppose. Lack
0: of playing, yeah, yeah. I mean, they've, they've, well, they've they've come here and played four red Bull games, haven't I mean, they? Had one at Canterbury and then three Test matches. They only batted once at Laws because they won by an innings. Um, mm. So you know, you've got to you've you've got to find form straight away, and 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 also, of course, they've made several four changes to this. Uh, 11, from the previous match. so And those four guys, well, Jansen's come back in, but the others didn't play previously. So they're they're playing their first test of the series. And Zondo, effectively, was making his test debut, wasn't it? It was his first test innings. Um, So it's the nature of international cricket these days. You you, you come in absolutely stone cold sometimes. We haven't mentioned Stuart Broad much. He
1: took four wickets in the end today, relegated to first change. Four wickets, which takes him to the same tally of test wickets as Glenn McGrath. So actually a remarkable performance really, isn't it?
0: Yeah, and he uh, McGrath was somebody he modelled himself on. Another tall bowler, sort of metronomic. Could get on a run of wickets, which is obviously what Stuart Broad's been so good at. Um, I mean, Broad, boldwell Well, Old Trafford, where again he was kept waiting. I mean, there's, there's, if you, there's been times he lost the new ball to Stephen Finn about ten years ago once, and he didn't like that, <laughs> and yeah. he uh, and he and he took a lot of wickets as a result. So maybe there's so something is this to a be, motivation. Yeah, tactic? I think it could be. Yeah, take the new ball off him and make him angry. Um, he know, it seems the to crowd worked. going again as well wasn't yeah it? yeah well he's been good at that this summer I think he's, revving up the crowd is one of Broad's jobs isn't it apart from being Nighthawk and all these other things he's doing um, and he got a few runs at yeah. the end today I think and swung a couple of boundaries um, so Broad I mean look, there was talk before this match that Broad might might retire you know we've been thinking that he, the end is coming for him and Anderson uh, it's not happened and I think one of the reasons yeah. it's not hammed is that they are really enjoying playing under McCullum and Stokes they've it's re-energized two old you know two old dogs really um they're still learning new tricks and the rest of it and um they're, they're no they're, they're staying now it's all next summer aren't they they're going to try and finish with the ashes um and I which think of that's course is
1: early in the in the series or summer, early in the summer so that actually got that much longer to wait yeah, really. yeah
0: well it's about nine months away. i think it's june and july isn't it the dates for the test matches we we think um so yeah, I mean Broad loves the Ashes, and uh, he, he obviously intends to be around for it. So it's, it's great. He's, you know, he, he is a good example of how this re-energised England team have have, have found a uh, found a new way of playing. And I think it's great when the old the old troopers, if you like, can can start again and find find a new you know a fresh lease of life. And I think Broad's a, a brilliant example of that. And he's he's had a good summer.
1: Time for another shout-out for our sponsor, IG. If you're investing for the future and want to put yourself in the best possible position to achieve the best possible outcomes, then you could do worse than considering investments from IG. Through IG's investing platform, you can pick from thousands of UK and international shares, with low commissions and extended hours on dozens of major US stocks. You can also discover the potential of exchange-traded funds, or ETFs, which allow you to invest in the performances of a wide range of different sectors, regions, assets and themes, like clean energy, electric vehicles or AI. Or, if you'd rather leave it to the experts, you can choose from a number of ready-made, low-cost IG smart portfolios, each designed and managed for you in line with your preferred risk appetite. All options are available as a tax-efficient ISA, with a SIP account coming very soon. To find out more, go to ig.com slash investing, remembering that the value of your investments may fall as well as rise, and you may get back less than you deposit.
0: With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
1: Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. (gasps) A woo A hand clap a high-fiver. I kind of like the high-five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW group. prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18+. Okay, we'll talk about England's batting. So, they bowled... South Africa for 118, and you'd think even the, the pessimists amongst us would think England would get a decent lead. Somebody was asking me how many will there be down at the end of play, and I said four. They're seven down. What did you make of England's batting?
0: Well, first thing today is that South Africa do have a, a really good attack. They were, they were outstanding at Lords. England got blown away they've brought back Jansen who who was an element of that four-man attack there so we shouldn't be surprised really the pitch has got enough in it for the, for the faster bowlers um, and as we know the two openers Crawley and Lees have, have struggled so the fact that they went cheaply that's not a surprise the disappointment was that the middle order which is full of experience even with Johnny Bester missing that Pope Root and Stokes didn't do better Pope in fact played really well and, 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 and got a, the only 50 of the match so far but Root got in and then gave it away sort of chasing a ball angled across him carved it into the slips where it was a good catch but Stokes was just like the beans were jumping with him um, he could, if he'd stayed in with Pope till Stumps you know, the game would be almost won really in, in many ways but, so it was disappointing that Root and Stokes got out in the way they did um, Pope played well
1: yeah, so you're almost implying that, that basketball can be good for some people and not necessarily for others. And just looking at someone like Alex Lees, who in one test looked purposeful and played pretty well, but here today, as with several of his innings, he tried a couple of biggish shots, which I didn't think were that well judged, and sort of got away with it, and then just bowled through the gate. I mean, not a very t- particularly difficult ball, Obviously, you know, a straight ball has a certain lethal quality, but you should get something in the way of it unless it moves dramatically. It seemed to me just got stuck. His front leg didn't move really, got a bit rigid. The ball just wriggled through. Mm. And Mm. Crawley, well, he looked all right. Uh, How was he out? LBW. Again, it's sort of one of those dismissals where... It was a good ball, but you've got to expect good balls mm. in Test cricket and you've got to be able to survive at least a few of them.
0: And I think in, uh, in Crawley's case, he faced quite a few balls for, for not many runs, didn't he? And he's normally liked to uh, get put back to ball and get moving. Uh, at Old Trafford, he played well for 38, didn't he? he grafted, that was sort of out of character innings, but against type. Um, maybe he was thinking of playing in a similar fashion here and, and just couldn't survive long enough but he, 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 he's sort of looking for a he's still looking for a way to succeed at test level as is Lee's really um, Crawley we thought was going to do it by being a dasher more recently he's perhaps tried to rein himself in and, and now he's just caught in, 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 in two minds as to exactly how he should be playing
1: Where do you sit on the view of Ed Smith the former test selector who's produced this book making decisions and he says in the book that Crawley averages roughly the same as a number of other players that have tried been tried at number three or opening around about 24 so he's not doing any worse than about 12 other (coughs) players who had that, that opportunity but his ceiling as in a double century that he produced against Pakistan shows what he's capable of more than most of those other players so there's, yeah. a, there's a value in pers- pers- yeah. persevering with
0: him yeah there's an interesting argument and uh, I know Ed's made this up for a while and you know he has some merit a lot of these guys at the top of the order batting at the top in international cricket is tough you know DRS has helped the bowlers there are some very good new ball bowlers around pitches are often got a bit in them a lot of these guys average 25, 30 but as he says Crawley can score a double hundred or a hundred occasionally and looks really good and that's sort of the argument that McCullum has been putting forward as well that we need to keep faith with Crawley because he his potential is unusual you know he has stress that Crawley can do things that other players can't well it's not always obvious that he can do those things but he did make a big double under against Pakistan he, he, he did make a under in the West Indies he, he played really well in Sydney I think um, and got 70 odd and you know was playing shots against Pat Cummins that most players don't play so I can, I, can see, I can see the argument, but they, they are asking us to be very patient with Zach Crawley. And I guess until there's a, 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 lots of alternatives in county cricket pushing themselves forward, they will continue to have faith thrown in One of
1: which is Harry Brook, who of course made his test debut today and actually looked, I thought, very composed. But replacing Johnny Bairstow in this match didn't last all that long he made 12 so it's not a terrible start it's not a duck or something he faced uh, 20 20 balls for that 12. there was some quite promising signs there I thought I know it wasn't a huge sample size but yeah I he shaped he, quite, he quite he well I thought, right. yeah. what do you think
0: yeah he shaped quite well defended his first ball got Jansen away for a couple of offside boundaries for his first runs in test cricket um, and then he Rather gave it away about sort of clipping one down to to final leg. Um, so th- they will make the same argument about Brook that they make about Crawley that he has he's got a he's got a, a rare talent and he needs to be persevered with. How long he stays in the side partly depends on how long Johnny Besto is out, of course. But um, but they do say Stokes said earlier in the summer that you know Harry Brook will have a long Test career. I think, or in fact, I think he said he'll have a long England career in all three formats is what he said. Um, so they clearly believe in him, uh, and great, you know, if they, if, they, if they give these guys a long run, I think that probably is the best way to ensure that they fulfil their potential. Um, but we may have to be patient. As you know,
1: our sponsors IG provide individual investors with the platform to build a portfolio by picking their own investments from thousands of international shares. So the question is, how well have these two teams been picking their shots? Uh, we can look at um, the shot selection today and probably say, Simon, that it wasn't all that good. Uh, if we look at the South Africans, for instance, Dean Elgar left a massive gate and was clean bowled by Robinson. A couple of good deliveries. Urvea um, got a pretty good one, actually, from Anderson, angled across him, caught behind. And I thought the same for Ryan Rickleton, who hasn't played much test cricket, got a good delivery from, from uh, Stuart Broad as well. Uh, some of the latter shots... Not so good. I remember uh, Mulder having a big sort of slash outside off stump and getting caught behind uh, off Robinson and Robert and, and actually Jansen, who Jansen who who made the the most runs in the innings, 30. He also got dragged into driving at a wide ball as well. He was uh, dismissed caught by Joe Root off Robinson for 30. So shot selection from the South Africans generally not great. What about what about England? What about say? What about Ollie Pope's batting, picking his shots? How did you see his innings?
0: Well, he he played some terrific shots. I thought really, and he really got the England innings moving along with Root. Um, I mean, he, he he played some a couple of very powerful sort of pulls off the back foot through mid wicket. the the square the the square boundaries on on this huge oval surface have got endless numbers of um, other pitches that are used for various. County and club matches and the rest of it, um, and the ball travels across the surface like lightning. And he and he knows that he plays here. And I think Pope was quite happy to put some of these balls away square, uh, and he did it very well. And he so I'd say that he would have had um, quite a number of the top ten shots of the day. Um, you didn't mention Keegan Peterson. I don't think in the who who no, left uh, left a ball and was bowled well off wasn't he? But, uh, shouldering, shouldering arms but um,
1: well, so that's that's. Picking your leave badly, as opposed to picking yeah. your shot badly. I well, suppose. I think
0: he's been. Yeah, he'd had a couple of decent balls, um, which he'd um, left uh, wisely, and then he and then he picked the wrong one to leave and was bowled. But uh, but yeah, Ollie Pope played some of the best shots of the day, I thought. Um, and Harry Brooks' first two boundaries were nice as well.
1: But then, he, he I suppose it, it summed up the, the dilemma you have as a Test batsman because you de- you do need to score runs and occasionally. I suppose you need to take risks. And his first two scoring shots were excellent, but then he he picked the third one to try and hit and lobbed it straight down long legs. So you could yep. say that was bad shot selection.
0: Uh, well, absolutely, it was. I mean, what's interesting about a day like today, with, with a bit of help in the pitch, was that both teams had probably four slips all day, I should think. So any batsman playing an attacking shot was take, was by definition is taking a risk. Because if he doesn't get it quite right, there's a lot of guys waiting for the edge. And there were a lot of catches to the keeper and quite a few in the slips. So it was a high-risk day's cricket, really. So picking your shot was not easy.
1: So those were the shots of the day uh, with IG. And to find out more, go to ig.com investing. Right, Simon, I've got one more question for you. And I think you've been looking into this today. How many test
0: matches was the Queen alive for? Well, I, I can tell you how many she, she, England played while she was the monarch. uh, obviously she came to the throne in 1952 England were playing a test match in Chennai at the time actually, uh, when her father died Um, but yes, 760 is the answer Um, England played under Elizabeth uh, out of about 1055 I think so that's pretty much three quarters of all England's test matches were played under her so we're back to the Kings now and uh, I I, I have looked actually, very sadly I've looked at England's results under all of the monarchs and I think they've they've done pretty well under Victoria and Elizabeth and not so well under the kings. Um, Interesting. I think King George VI's win percentage was quite low. Yeah, 760 tests under Queen Queen Elizabeth. Wow, that's that's an amazing stat, isn't it? My my
1: mother told me today that uh, she actually has lived through five monarchs because she started with King George V, then it was Edward who abdicated, then it was King George VI, then it was Queen Elizabeth and now, obviously, no, King Charles. No Charles so no. she survived five, <laughs> amazing <laughs> uh, it's, it's an extraordinary story, isn't it? I mean, she wasn't that mad about cricket, I don't think, was she? But she came to Lords many times she and met the Lord, players. Yeah, and there's, yeah. a, there's a very funny uh, uh, a sort of spoof clip of um, England meeting the Queen in about 1993. Graham Gooch is captain at the time, showing her along the line of players and there's a spoof quip I think probably Rory Bremner mimicking uh, Gooch's voice and as uh, the queen comes to Bill Tuffnell to shake hands he says mind your rings <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't know whether the queen wore many rings when she was shaking hands with people uh, on
0: the outfield but she she was a presence and the duke of edinburgh loved it didn't he he did and he played didn't he Um, And she was at the Centenary Test in Melbourne in 1977 because I think she was on a royal tour of Australia at the time. Uh, So she attended that very uh, famous match. Um, So, yeah, I I think she was, um, well, she was interested enough to go to to Law's Test matches, I think, 20-odd times. She,
1: she of course, actually was the only woman allowed in the pavilion, I think, for many years. For many years, that's right.
0: Yeah, yeah. Till, till,
1: but till about the mid-90s, actually. It was a sort of rare thing to see a woman sat in the, yes. the committee room on one of those high chairs. Anyway, um, she's gone now, and I and I guess uh, King
0: Charles will be at Lord's next summer for the Ashes. Well, that's a nice thought, isn't it? That would be terrific if he came. Um, and, yeah, I get, uh, well, I assume he would do. Um, and I'm sure the Australians would I'd love to see him there. So, yeah, that's a, that's a nice thought, really. But, um, yeah, it's um, it's been an emotional day, I think, I think.
1: It's been a very emotional day, uh, a kind of slightly mad cat day on the field and uh, a very sombre but also celebratory uh, day off it as well and uh, congratulating to everybody for the way it's been staged today and uh, the, the, the passion that everybody showed in that singing at the start. Okay, that's it for the day today. Anyway, with England 36 ahead, three wickets in hand, we'll resume tomorrow, Sunday, and Simon, hopefully you'll be back with us. Thanks for your time. Thank you.